we should be leaving in about six months. Uh, and so we are just super stoked right now. We're trying to get uh, paperwork done for our visa application. And so if you could pray for that, we would really, really appreciate it. But as we're getting into the message tonight, please open your Bibles to Philippians chapter one. Philippians chapter one. Now, Philippians is a book of joy, right? We know that the author is, is, is the Apostle Paul. He's the great example, the great missionary, great Apostle Paul. And I can't, I can't understand, well, I couldn't at the time. Whenever I first, was first reading this, I was like, how could Paul have written a book of joy in the midst of his circumstances? Do you guys remember what happened to Paul? I mean, Paul wrote this book, and as Paul is writing the book of Philippians, what happened to him? I mean, he had been, he had been in, uh, legally arrested, right? I mean, he had been beaten. He's been mocked and humiliated. He's been falsely accused. This is the stuff that's happened to Paul already. And as Paul writes this, I'm thinking, how could Paul write a book of joy in the midst of all this? And I soon realized after studying it up, it's because his focus wasn't on himself. You know, many a times as Christians, when things go bad, what do we do? We focus on ourselves, but Paul didn't. And that's why he could have joy. Because he was focusing on something else. In Philippians chapter 4, he says to rejoice where? In the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. But then in Philippians chapter 1, and this is what I'd like to challenge you to do. His focus was on the furtherance of the gospel. Look at verse 12 with me. And this is what I'd like to challenge you to do this evening. I want to challenge you to look at your focus in life. Where is your focus? Because if, it's not fo fo if you're not focused on the things of the Lord, if you're not focused on what God had called you to do, then your focus is wrong. Look at verse 12 with me. Paul says this. He says, But I would, ye should understand, brethren, that the things which happened unto me, all these adverse things, being illegally arrested, being beaten and mocked and humiliated, all these things have happened unto me for one solid reason. He said, It's fallen out rather unto the furtherance of the gospel. Let's pray as we get into this message. Heavenly Father, please use me as a mouthpiece to to just say your word, Lord, and allow, allow this church to have their focus on what you want them to focus on. As Paul was focused on furthering the gospel, Lord, might we have that same focus this evening. Lord, I'll give you praise for what you do. In Christ's name, amen. I truly believe that after every single time we hear the word of God, there's a decision to be made. Whether it's a good decision or a bad decision, we got to make a decision after the word of God. we got to be doers of the word and not hearers only. And I'm a really weird guy. Uh, I really am. Pastor knows that now after having lunch with me. I'm a pretty weird guy. But here's a weird example. Hopefully it will stick with you because it's out, uh, out, in the, out of the box. Let's just say that. But this is kind of depicting what Paul's focus was. You know, Pastor over here and uh, 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 Pastor Sean, I, I don't know where he is. But they are pretty, uh, pretty, good, uh, pretty good guys. They've got a great sense of taste in clothing. Uh, they're good with clothes, uh, good with colors. Uh, and, uh, I mean, his office is red, white, and blue. What's better than that? I'm just kidding. But uh, one day, let's just say this for an example. Let's just say the pastor has decided to do something special for the church. So they say, you know what? The church is going out on a weekly retreat. They're not going to be here for a week. But you know what? Let's, tr let's, let's change the auditorium. So let's paint the auditorium. Where can we find cheap labor? You know what? Let's call up the Baptist missionary. Hey, Chase, where are you at? I oh, know that was a joke, by the way. But 
he said, hey, Chase, would you mind coming over and painting the church for us? So I wanted to surprise the, uh, the church uh, with the new colors. And so I was like, of course, Pastor, I'd love to do that for you. And he says, you know what, uh, him and Pastor Sean were talking about it. They just wanted to paint it a calm gray, just something generic that would go nice with everything. I was like, Pastor, I got that. I can get that done for you in the week. It'll be good. So everybody goes out on a retreat, and they're having a good time. I start preparing everything. I start taping everything down, and I start painting. And so I'm painting it gray. But you know, I don't know if it's the ADD in me or if it's, uh, if it's just me not really being a painter. I start getting bored. I mean, it's just a gray. It's a generic gray. How can I make this more interesting and lively? You know what I decide to th do? I started thinking, my little sister, Addison, she loves unicorns. So you know what I decided to do? I go to Home Depot and I buy neon pink and purple paint. I start painting unicorns in the church auditorium. Oh, man, this is going to look good. It's going to look lively. Oh, man, until I'm thinking this is going to look great up until Saturday night whenever pastor shows up. Steam is coming out of his ears. And he is like, why are there unicorns on my walls? I mean, uh, Brother Ron comes in, and his steam's coming out of his ears, too, and he's like, we gave you a simple task. Just paint the walls gray. Why are there unicorns on the church auditorium? I gave you a simple task. Just paint it gray, and you couldn't do that. You know, this is a very, very far-fetched, out-of-there example, but many times that's our Christian lives because God has given us a simple task, and yet we find ourselves painting unicorns. See, we get distracted with things of this world that we might think might be good. But my dear friends, if it's not the task that has been given to us, if it's not the task that God has given to us, then we are, our focus is wrong. Our lives are not in, in the will of God. We've got to do what God has called us to do. And that's exactly what Paul is talking about in the book of Philippians. And so just to let you guys know, I would never, ever, ever paint unicorns in a church. But... I want you to understand what's happening in this passage. Paul is solely focused on what God had called him to do. And so we're going to look at the rest of this. And Paul's writing this as a missionary prayer letter. I mean, he's writing this and he's saying, look, guys, all this has happened to me for the furtherance of the gospel. But let me tell you about how God is blessed. As I'm focusing on the furthering of the gospel, he says in verse 13 what? He says, so that my bonds in Christ are manifest in all the palace and in all other places. You know, if I was in Paul's shoes, you know what I'd be doing? I'd be writing a, a, a prayer letter to Delphi Baptist Church saying, hey guys, please pray I get out of jail. I'd be praying to God saying, God, I need some good Chick-fil-A and Taco Bell. I need some good comfort foods. Get me out of here, right? That's our, our tendency whenever bad things come. It's get me out of this problem. But Paul, he wasn't focused on himself. He wasn't focused on praying to get out of the situation. Instead, he saw this, uh, the imprisonment as an advantage to the furtherance of the gospel. And so instead of saying, God, get me out of here, he comes over and he says, hang on a sec. And if you go up and you study up on the history, he's chained up to different guards for hours at a time. And he says, hang on. You mean to say, I'm chained up to this man here and this guard here. I can preach the gospel and they can't run away from me. So he's like, I can use this as an advantage. He just starts preaching Jesus. He starts telling more people about the gospel. This doesn't take his boldness away. This is making him bold. And he's like, look, guys, 
Jesus Christ is the answer to our sins. He's the propitiation to the sins of the whole world. Did you know that Jesus Christ died for you? Did you know that he rose again three days later? He starts telling people about the gospel of Jesus Christ. And what happens? God starts blessing. People start hearing the gospel. And then verse 13 comes into place. He says, my bonds in Christ are manifest. They're made known in the palace and in other places. Meaning the gospel of Jesus Christ is getting out. Isn't that our job? To get the gospel out to the world? Why could Paul, uh, why could this have happened to Paul? Because he saw his problems as an advantage to furthering the gospel. He saw his chains as an advantage to getting the gospel to the world. But not only is Paul preaching the gospel, we see that he actually uh, figuratively, he goes up to the pews of the other church members, and he takes a lighter and he lights a fire underneath them as well. He gets them bold about Jesus too. You know, I can't, I can't reach the world by myself. I'm telling you, my wife and I are basket cases. Like, we are messes. I mean, by the way, please take one of our prayer cards. We've got a prayer card. I'm rumbling the mic again. I'm so sorry. Well, go to my back, uh, my back thing. Get a prayer card. We need more prayer than anybody else. But the thing is, is that I can't reach the world by myself. I've got to get a whole army of people to do it. Paul did that. You know, Paul's boldness didn't only uh, affect the lost, it affected the other believers. Look at verse 14 with me, if you don't believe me. Verse 14 says, And many of the brethren and the Lord, the other Christians, they waxed confident by his bonds, by his chains, him being in prison. And they're much more bold to speak the word without fear. You know, he goes and he is preaching the gospel so bold that it stirs the other people to become bold as well. And you know what that tells me? That tells me boldness is contagious. But what are we bold about in our lives? What does our lives scream? You know, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a Georgia resident. I love college football. Uh, go dogs. Uh, so if you're not a Bulldogs fan in your face, no, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. I love college football. In South Africa, we'd wake up at 2, 3 a.m. to watch the college, uh, the national championship. My uncles just did that or not national championship, but they just watched the uh, Ohio State game. But I love college football, but how silly would it be for my life to talk more about a silly football game than it would the amazing grace of God? You see, our lives need to, need to be solely focused on the furthering of the gospel because our boldness is contagious. What we talk about in our lives is going to affect what other people around us talk about. I, just to give you an example, whenever I was in Bible college, there's a, a, one of our missionaries, his name is Nate Wilkerson. Uh, he's a missionary in West Africa, but he had an Instagram account called Christ is Life. And so his whole thing, he's an airhead, but his whole thing was Christ is Life. You'll ask him, hey, Nate, how's the weather today in Bible college? He'd be like, it's great, Christ is Life. Hey, how's the food? Oh, it's good, Christ is Life. He'd say Christ is Life after everything. I mean, he's a nutcase. But... By the end of the Bible college, guess what all the students were saying? They're saying Christ is life, right? I mean, that's, that's because his boldness was contagious. You see, as Paul was preaching the gospel, and he's so bold, and he's preaching and teaching, and he's not worried about what's going to happen to him or what's, what's going to happen to his situation. Because remember, he's on trial. He doesn't know whether he's going to live or die. He's just worried about the gospel getting further. As he's focused on that, it stirs these other Christians as they see his life and they see him being in prison. And they're like, 
man, I need to preach the gospel too. Did you know that you have that, that influence? You can, you can influence people around you to be bold for Jesus. But can I tell you, it's not happening because our focus is not on Jesus Christ. It's because our boldness is on, on Jesus Christ the way it ought to be. If you look in your life and people around you are not screaming Jesus, maybe that says something about your own life. Maybe that says, man, I'm, I need to change my focus. I need to change what I'm focused on. And so as Paul is focused on this, God starts blessing. He really does. But he gives us, in verse 20, he gives us his Christmas wish list. We just had Christmas. This is his Christmas wish list. If there's anything written down, it's this. It's his earnest expectation and his hope. Everything in life that Paul wants is this. And I will challenge you to take this verse and to apply it to your life. Paul says, according to my earnest expectation and my hope, that in nothing I shall be ashamed, but that with all boldness, as always, not just Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night, but as always, Christ shall be magnified or made big in my life, in my body, whether it be by life or by death. Paul realized how vital the gospel was. So with everything in him, you know what he says? He says, I don't want to be ashamed of Jesus. Imagine if the great missionary, the great apostle Paul was ashamed of Christ. We know that jailer would never have found Christ. We know his fellow brethren would never have waxed confident. They would have never been bold about Jesus had it not been for his boldness. Imagine how many people would not have heard the gospel had he be ashamed. We can think of a pro probably a lot of people. But imagine how many people have not heard the gospel because you have been ashamed. It's time to be bold about Christ. So with Paul's attitude, he says, with everything in me, I want to be a I want to be bold about Jesus. I want my life to scream Jesus because he realized how vital the gospel of Jesus Christ is. Many times we don't really talk about Christ as much as we ought to because we don't really know or understand or even sometimes we become calloused to how vital the gospel of Jesus Christ is. You know, in order to finalize my training to become a missionary, I had to spend six months in a foreign field. And uh, I, South Africa really wasn't foreign, so I, I decided to go to Peru, South America. And whenever I went to Peru, South America, I spent six months there. I spoke not a lick of Spanish. And I really stick out like a sore thumb. I mean, the average Peruvian, my age, is about this tall. He's got black hair and a little darker complexion. And he speaks a totally different language. Now, I'm about this tall, blonde hair, and white. I, and I sound like a white guy. I really do. And the reason I know that is because whenever I go over there, I'm thinking, I need to get the gospel to these people. I need to go out and tell these people about Christ. Oh, no, I don't know the language. How am I going to learn it? Well, there was a park behind my apartment. There was about 30 guys my age playing soccer every other day. So I decided, you know what? I'm going to go over there and show them my soccer skills. And uh, That wasn't very good, but I, I started, this is how I show up, literally. I mean, COVID shut down everything, so they locked the, the, the gates, so everybody's jumping over. I was like, okay, I'll jump over too. And so, uh, other stories about that, but uh, whatever I did, I walked over, and this is what I did. I went, 
Hola, como estas? And I kid you not, I sound like a giant white dude. And the reason I know is because the 30 guys playing soccer stop in their tracks. The ball is still going. They're stopped in their tracks. They look at me and they start laughing at me. I'm like, what did I get myself into? But, I, was, I mean, they made fun of me. It was fine. But I started going there more and more and more. And I started learning the language better and better and better. I started being able to invite people to church. And I finally started being able to, uh, to preach the gospel to these people. My roommate bought a 1987 Volkswagen Beetle. And we fit 11 people into that thing to bring to church. It was awesome. We felt like it was going to break in half the entire time. But it was okay because people were coming to church, right? But I remember one of those young men. His name was Luis Fernando. And Luis was a devout Catholic. The reason his story stuck out was because of this. I, uh, I decided uh, the vacation Bible school tactic of bribing was a pretty good tactic. I said, hey, Luis, you come and talk to me about Jesus, and I'll, I'll feed you some Papa John's pizza. He was like, I love Papa John's pizza. Let's go. So we go to a mall, and I start sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ with him. He ended up getting, uh, I, I shared John 3.16 with him. Porque de tal manera amó Dios al mundo que ha dado a su hijo unigénito para que todo aquel que no cree no se pierda la vida eterna. I started sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ with Luis Fernando. He ended up getting connected with the, some of the people from uh, Omega Baptist Church. And he came to church, he got saved. It was amazing, God blessed. But what happened afterwards shook me. About a week later, I see him walking down the road and I jump out of my taxi tell my friends to go to the mall and I'll meet up with them. Start walking with Luis and I say, hey, Luis, how are you doing, man? And he was very, uh, very depressed. It's like, this guy just got saved. Why is he depressed? I asked him. As he's looking down, he's like, you know, Chase, a couple weeks before you met me, my best friend committed suicide. It's like, oh, man, I'm so sorry. It's like, my best friend was a devout Catholic, which meant that he was trusting in his works for salvation which we know it's only by grace through faith. He was really depressed about that. But then he said something that shook me even worse. He said, you know, Chase, since my best friend committed suicide, I thought there was nothing left in this world for me. So I was going to do the same thing. He said, but then you took me to church and I met Jesus. It changed my life. It's like, Phew. Do you realize how vital the gospel is? today. We don't know when people are going to die, but we do know the scripture says today is the day of salvation. Today is the day that you need to get out of your chair. And you need to get a fire lit underneath you, and you need to say, my life is going to be about Christ, because if it's not, people will not hear the gospel, and they will continue dying and going to hell. It's up to me to actually get up and do something for the Lord. You need to attempt great things for God, you need to expect great things from God. And Paul did that. He realized how vital the gospel was. So with everything in him, everything in him, he says, I don't want to be ashamed of Jesus. But instead, you know what I want to do? I want to be bold. I want to magnify Jesus so big in my life. So big in my life that everybody in the world can see him. He just wanted people to know Jesus. And as Pastor was saying this morning, when you know Jesus Christ, when you know the Lord, you really, you really fall in love with him. That's why the local church is my hero. Because it's a bunch of people who have fallen in love with the Lord. 
But you know, falling in love with the Lord, you tend to want to obey him. And as God has told us and he's commanded us to go into the world and preach the gospel to every creature, he's given us the responsibility as Christians to do that. But it all starts with our focus. It all starts with what we are focused on. So if your focus is not on the things of the Lord, if it's not on furthering the gospel of Jesus Christ, I want to challenge you tonight. Change your focus. Put your focus on the things that God has called us to. Paul said, whether it be by life or by death. He wanted to be bold no matter what. He was willing to give it all for that so that people could hear the gospel of Jesus Christ. You know what that meant? I mean, he was willing to give all of his time. I mean, willing to give his entire life meant his time, his efforts, his money, his comfort, all of it, just so that people could hear about Jesus. What are you willing to give so that people can hear about Christ? It's time to stop painting unicorns, to stop getting distracted with things that we might think are lively, and to get in with the furtherance of the gospel. Let's pray.